one of my all-time, I'm still a little, I'm still a little hot. Not personally, no. I'm just thankful for my wife to put up with me for the last almost 15 years, but um, we're going we're gonna to talk about one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and if you've never heard this story in this way, this is how I'm going to preface that, and then we're going to get into our, our touch someone's life gift. You ready for this? I think in the story where Peter walks on the water, Peter gets a bad rap. I think he does. I think he gets a bad rap. Peter, if you just hadn't taken your eyes off of the Lord, you would have never fallen in the water. Remember, all the disciples probably just talking trash. Peter was the only one to get out of the boat. He was the first to speak up. He was the first to act. And he begged Jesus, said, hey, if it's truly you, let me come to you. See, we, sometimes we get, we get caught up in just the negatives, and we do that in our own life. One of the negatives is in our world today where do you, do you find that you can go around most anywhere. And if you had a, a watering can and it was full of kindness, that just a lot of places around here, and maybe sometimes it's us, we just need to dump a little more kindness. One of the things that Connection does on a fourth Sunday is that we collect an offering for Touch Someone's Life Gift. And we collect it in popcorn bags. And at the end of the service, I'm gonna, they're going to tally that, bring it back in. And I will give that away uh, to, some, to a couple of you. And then we're going to go out into our community. And we're going to do that. Just sharing kindness. Being loving. Loving like Jesus did. So if my people with the offering bags will go ahead and come to the front... Um, Connection doesn't ask anybody that's not a member. You guys can go ahead. It's not a member of Connection to give to this offering. Uh, pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters. Some of you are much more generous than that. It's not just the change in your pocket. But as they collect this offering, I want to I wanna get back into that. I think if you're familiar with the story of Jesus walking on the water, and you're familiar with who he calls out of the boat. And Peter g- gets out of the boat and he, and he walks towards Jesus. He's, he's literally experiencing a real life, real relevant, right there, right now, miracle. He's literally doing something that is not really possible. I joke often, I tell a story about going hogging. Does anybody know what hogging is? Catch a big catfish with your hands. I used to go with my, with my grandfather um, because he was the size of a train. And I figured, well, I can just hide behind him if anything bad happens. Uh, but I remember one day that we were over by the Little Wabash. Uh, we were east of Fairfield and then south uh, down towards Ellery and how it winds around out there. And, and we were in there, and man, I was getting brave. I was probably 14, 15. And it's really good to go in the middle of the summer when the water's down. We haven't had rain in a while. And less water, less area for the big fish to hide. It's just the way it goes. So I'm on my knees, which is often the case if you get by the bank. And I was on my knees. And you, you, on purpose, okay, on purpose, you find logs and structure. And then on purpose, you feel around for them. Now, some of you are going, I, you know, I knew that you were a little bit off. But now you're way off, in my opinion. Okay? You wear mechanics gloves. I'm not going to say that's going to keep a blue catfish from not hurting your hand. Because it will Okay, but I remember one day, man, I was, I was getting so brave, and I'd caught a couple small fish, and I'm like, okay. Chin water, chin deep, about right here. I'm like this, and I felt this bump, I'm like, oh, there's a fish. 
cool. And I'm feeling... <laughs> At 14 and 15, when you feel the tail here and you feel the head here, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is a long fish. Catfish will let you rub them because they, they're used to the river water coming over them and their the debris hits them sometimes. And if you're delicate with them, you can find their gills in their mouth and their tail and you can actually bend them. You can get in their gills and you can bend them and you can bring them up very carefully. A flathead you would grab right here on the mouth, but... That day, uh, God wanted to teach me a lesson, <laughs> maybe on the, the methods of my head, okay? And I was like this, and I was underneath it, just chin-deep water. And this is the river. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't smell great. And I was just like this, and I'm feeling like, man, it's a nice fish. And I'm like literally kind of trying to look where this log goes, and I see, hmm, not a fish. <laughs> Slithery, satanic, hate him. Still to this day, hate him, <laughs> Okay? If I see him and they don't surprise me, no big deal. He surprises me, it is war, okay? It's like the movie 300 when I see a snake, okay? So I'm looking eye to eye with the, it's, it probably, honest to goodness, wasn't any much bigger than a husky pencil. Anybody remember those, husky pencils? Just, my people, this could be a good day. We were talking about husky pencils and snakes. So, so this snake is literally like this big around and he's like eyeing me. And the honest to goodness, the next thing, my grandpa was a pastor for 44 years. The next thing I remember, and the little Wabash isn't very wide, I was on the other side. And my grandfather literally said, he goes, when I studied my Bible, I know that Jesus and Peter walked on water. But today, you were violently close. <laughs> so there's that. And I've had a good week. I hope that you've had a good week. And by the way, having a good week doesn't mean that all your problems are just solved. Having a good week sometimes is having a bad week and God shows up. See, God's always there. But God in this story shows up in a, in a way that, oh my goodness. This is going to be the last sermon that we're going to wrap up. Stop asking Jesus into your heart. Uh, any of you that have children that don't live around here, or you have friends that maybe deal with doubt, Christmas is coming up. Seriously, we have enough. If you want to buy a couple of these, come and see me. You can send them to be good stocking stuffers. We have enough. Otherwise, we're just going to hand them out. We're not going to waste them. But if you, if you want some more copies of this book, I've heard from people that it's, it's causing really good discussions in Connect Group. You know, I'm getting a lot more assurance of who I am in Jesus through this study. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad. That's, that's how we prayed and prepared for this study. And some people that I meet with say, this just causes... More questions. That's good. It really is. Because when you question, you start to research. And every time you research God, he just shows up in a way that you can't explain. And you, and you want to learn more about him. And you want to learn more about him. Um, I hope that during this study, if you've had any questions about maybe who Jesus is. I know personally, I got to lead a person this week from Connection to Christ. Because partially partially due to this study. This is their words. Listen to this. I know that I am a sinful person. And I know that that sin separates me from having a relationship with God. And I believe that Jesus died for me. And they looked at me and they said, I want to be saved right now. Folks, I don't care if you're 8 or 88. That is acknowledgement of everything the gospel stands for. And that person gave their life to Christ this week. If, even, even if it's for one, 
But I guarantee you it's not because there's people that maybe you're asking questions. Maybe you're researching this whole God thing and you're thinking, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. It does. Every time an archaeologist, if you're a scientific analytical thinker, think about this. An archaeologist has never put a pick or an axe to the earth and disproved God in any way. They only more confirm him every day and every day and every day. They find towns that haven't existed since biblical times. And all of a sudden, poof, Luke, who records over 50 of them, was there. Solidifying the information. But what happens, what what if you're sitting in your chair this morning or you're listening online and you say, Hmm, I know that I'm a follower of Christ. So when, Matt, will this book cover, when will I ever stop doubting altogether? I'm going to just answer that real quick. You are human, and you are too human to never doubt again. You just aren't. You, you, we, can't, we, can't, we can't get there. So what do we do? We get closer. You keep getting closer to Jesus. You keep getting closer. You keep on purpose seeking relationships with other people that are Christian. You seek relationships with God. You seek relationships in church. You, you serve. You get involved. You keep getting close. Listen, Peter was part of that inner circle, people. He, he was. He was in there. He's also the loud mouth. He's also the one that got in trouble. Yes, that's the one that Jesus called Satan. Yep. <laughs> same guy. He's also the same guy that Jesus looked and said, on you, I'm going to build my church. Peter's name in the Greek translates to Petra. It means rock. I'm going, you're, the corner, you're the firm foundation that I'm going to bring the church alive. And Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts, and he preaches. Listen, he's gone through a whole bunch of stuff. He's lost his one, his, one of his best friends, Jesus. He, he, he probably knew John the Baptist pretty well. Those guys are all gone. Other, other buddies have been, have been beaten and thrown in prison. And all of a sudden, Paul stands up in the same town that he denied Jesus three times. He stands on top of something. When you look at the translation, Peter doesn't preach a sermon flat-footed. He's not on the same level. He gets up so he can elevate his voice. And over 3,000 people in one day became followers of Jesus Christ. All because Peter said, I'll do it. I'll be bold. Listen, it got him in trouble, didn't it? It got him in trouble with Jesus because he just spouted off today because of the way that he reacts to Jesus calling his name. Peter experiences something that is just not recorded with very many people in the history of our world. What happens when I continue to doubt? As much of an all-star as the disciples were and as Peter was and the pastor that he was, he still doubted. They still doubted. All the time, they still doubted. So I know I have some friends, and they think that this is a really cool book. But quite frankly, it's just a good book. So what I want to do is I have some new I have some new software at my house that I that I my my wife and I purchased so I can do some more studying and a little bit deeper studying. And it's called Logos, and if you've ever seen it, it's absolutely fantastic. And I was looking on there because it has an index of images and pictures that you can see from the Bible. And it just makes it pop. Okay. I've never been there yet, okay, but I want to go someday. But you can really see things in the light. And I, and I looked at all the pictures of the Sea of Galilee where this story takes place. And I'm like, yeah, that's boring, boring, boring. 
So I went to Google. Everybody knows that anything on Google is the gospel truth. There's no, there's no anything fabrication is on Facebook and Google. So I wanted something real. So I called my, one of my best friends. I can authenticate this with 100% certainty. All credits go to him and his wife for taking this picture. Check out this picture. This is the Sea of Galilee. That is the sun coming up. This is real. He sent this to me from his, his album from the Holy Land trip that he went on. I said, I want to see something that's right now. This was, this was taken no less, eh, less than a year ago that was when they went. This is real, modern day. Sea of Galilee. The day that we catch up with the disciples, it looks like this in the beginning. And then it doesn't look so much like that in the middle of the story. But I just want you to look at that. I just want you to check this out. These are fishermen out there. Listen, they're literally fishing the same water the disciples did. Isn't this awesome? This is, this is the sea that Jesus did a, a really high majority percentage-wise of his ministry around. Probably considered to be a little bit bigger than a giant lake. A, a sea is kind of misleading. It's not that big. But the disciples one day had a run-in with the Sea of Galilee. Let's ask ourselves a couple questions before we get started, though. If you have your worship hand out with me, with you, uh, open that up. Open that up. So we're going we're to look at this. Uh, we're going to go to the worship handout. And the, the picture's going to go away for just a second. It says, what does it mean if I still have doubt? See, we wrestle with this kind of stuff. God, I love you so much, but why do I doubt? You ever got onto yourself for that? Gosh darn it, Matt. Just trust him. Just trust him. Just trust him. What happens if I doubt? What does it mean if I still have doubt? It means that you're human. That's it. It means that you're human. Sometimes we do not have enough solid physical physical proof that we can literally put our hands on, stand on, hold, hug, or, or, or carry to touch it. We just simply don't have that. That's where our faith comes in. By the way, how many people had the faith in me that that's really the Sea of Galilee? Ooh, that's being tricky. That was the Sea of Galilee. I didn't lie. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> right. Everybody's like, oh, I doubted him. No, listen, no. Listen, what does it mean if I still have doubt? Whenever I asked that question, doubt instantly entered all of your minds. Hey, well, you know, huh. <laughs> whenever I Google image Sea of Galilee, about 90% of them really I made me doubt. I'm like, no. Nah. You know, the, the, supposedly there's some guy that, you know, took original pictures of the storm. In the Sea of Galilee, newsflash, Polaroid, you know, Polaroid pictures weren't there then. But what does it mean if I still have doubt? It means that you're human. You have to seek truth. Now, how about this? When I doubt at times, I do something that oftentimes you're not told to do in your spiritual walk. But this is an okay time to do that. Now, listen. We're told that, that, that we don't need to look back and glorify our past, but look where God has brought us. But however, watch this. If you're doubting, simply remember a time backwards that God has answered and been solid in whatever you're doubting. Chances are it's happened before. And we can look back. And what, we, what do we do? We look back and see a couple things. That God never left us. That he loves you. That you're still going in a better direction than you were. I know some days you're like, man, I don't know. L- listen, I get you. Okay? 
I get you. Sometimes our doubt, sometimes in this life, our doubt can be so ruthless. Satan can begin to just mess with you so bad. And it becomes literally a storm in your head and inside you. And you cannot, you just feel like you're just getting tossed. You know, I thought about, listen, I went, I went back to something lyrically that I can look at and say, man, what if, I, what if I doubt? You know the song that I was singing all week long? It is well. No matter the storm, it's well, it is good. God's good, he can't not be good. So what does it mean if I doubt? This is where we pick up the story. Your doubt sometimes seems almost unbelievable. You, couldn't, you can't get over it. You're like, man, I've just been dwelling on this for so long. There's no way I can do this. You're right. You cannot do it. You're not responsible to do it. God's already done it. Now believe in him. Well, it's just, it's just, well, I, I just don't know. You get there, don't you? None of you doubted the chair that you're sitting in. You came in and said, hmm, well, just plop down. It worked last week. It's got to work this week, right? If God worked earlier in your life, is he not good enough to work today? He doesn't change. Look at the next blink. But it can, see, it can seem like this. Our doubt can seem unbearable during a storm. We all can understand and identify what a storm is in our life. Maybe you lost someone close to you. Maybe you had a marriage go bad. Maybe you don't know how your marriage is going right now. Maybe you're preparing to be married and you don't know. Maybe you've been married for 20 years and say, man, I, I don't know if I love this person. I don't know. And you're believing doubts and things that are coming into your mind that are not healthy. You say, man, I don't you, and, you, and you go through these storms. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe you lost a grandparent. I, listen, you can do anything and it be a storm. There can be storms all the time. There can be big storms and small storms. When we pick up this story with Jesus and the disciples, this was a no-joke, life-threatening, absolute, complete storm. And I'm going to be able to show you for real, in scripture, why it was such a big storm. Because the Bible is that cool. Not because I'm that cool. Because the Bible is that cool. The Bible is that, that, it's that intense. It's that, so anybody that tells you, I don't read my Bible because it's boring. They have not read anything in the Bible. You like war? But see, we go to the movies, like, yeah, three, I mentioned 300. I, it's, I'm just like history and it, it's just bloody, right? We're guys. Like, yeah, blood and war. Okay. Some of you are like, well, I don't like that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. You know, we, we can watch the Bridges of Madison County. Um, you know, it's funny. I get asked all the time. Mary and I, Mary and I have four or five date nights a week. I know. It's awesome. Four or five date nights a week. Some of you are going. Fine. See why he goes to Applebee's and goes out to eat five days a week. I don't go out to eat five days a week. A date night with me and Mary, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we go crazy radical and we put a tablecloth on the table once our girls go to bed and we challenge each other to a game of the most intense. Oh, man, she's so good at this. I've never beaten my wife at Yahtzee. <laughs> never. Sometimes she gets really crazy and we play rummy. I don't like playing three of a kind, Rummy. You guys play three of a kind, just ruin all the runs. You just, okay? And Mary goes, let's play three of a kind. She might have three aces in her hand when we're deciding this. And if you know the rules, that's 45 points. 
But see, I have, I, have, I have date nights with my wife. Why? Because I want to stay close. We watch TV. We hang out. Whatever, whatever. You, you, you get close. I have to stay close with her. It's always worth You ask anybody that's been married for any length of time, and they will say, if you do not both work at this, it will not work. Peer, it won't. It won't. There are people in this, in this room right now that have been married for five or years or less, and they're shaking their head. And there's people that have been married over 40, and they're doing the same thing. You, if you don't work at it, it goes away. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't work on your faith and a storm comes, it is unbearable. It hits you like a ton of bricks. It hits you like a linebacker comes like this, and you have no helmet on, and you just get rocked, right? We watch all these, you know, we watch these, these movies, and... We look at the underdogs. Rudy, Rudy. I still can't watch that movie without crying. If you, if you can, I don't even know if you have a soul. I'm just kidding. I mean, seriously, Rudy's like, mm, he comes out. That's not my favorite movie that he plays in, actually. I love him as Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings. So, I know, now you're going, well, Matt's not only, he's a nerd, too. Okay, it's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sometimes our doubt is unbearable during this storm. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Just for just a second. Can you flip back to that picture just for a second? Look at this picture. This is what it looks like at the beginning of the story. Matthew chapter 14. I want to show you some things that happened just before this and how stressed Jesus was when this happened. He let a storm that most people would say is unbearable. He let that Go, so he could teach. Look at Matthew 14, verse 22. You can go ahead and go to the scripture if you want. Thank you. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he spent, or while he sent, excuse me, the people home. Why were the disciples going across the Sea of Galilee? Jesus told them to. They had a really good, they did really good sometimes at actually listening. Now, before you think that they're in a 22-foot custom ranger bass boat, they're in a first century boat, okay? They are absolutely at the mercy of the wind. This sea right now is getting ready to get wrecked with a north wind. How? I can show you. I'm going to show you how we know it's from the north. See, the Sea of Galilee is a great big, like this, and it's more than less a big lake. And they start in the northeast corner, and they're, gonna, they're, they're actually just going to cut over this part, just straight like this. And the lake's like this. They're just going to cut over the straight, this, just northeast to kind of other northwest, just straight across. And then we're using, if you look, if you look in the Greek language in the scripture, when, they, when it says middle, when they're in the middle and Jesus comes to them, that Greek word is mesos. That means in the middle. So the only way, this is north, the only way that you are going here to here and you end up here is with the north wind. That's it. I see some of you are like, huh, wow, why does that matter? It does. It does. Because watch. What gives you more anxiety, being on a storm in the middle of Sea of Galilee or being, on a, on the, being in a storm where it could possibly be shallow enough for you to get out, walk, and or swim too short? You tell me. I want to be close to the bank. I've been in Canada on, on a huge lake, 2,000 miles of shoreline, when the wind picked up, in a John boat with my uncle. 
I wanted a helicopter to leave that place. It was, but where did we go? We were in the middle. Guess where we went? It was, I was, say I was over past the soundboard coming to the camp where we were staying. That's a straight shot. That's where all of the wind is. I went this way. I got out of the wind. Got out of it and come around. So Jesus, earlier, before we pick up right here, Jesus has done, just done something absolutely, incredibly spectacular. He fed 5,000 plus people. With the whole entire restaurant of Ryan's. Not really. Five loaves of bread and two fish. He shows the people a miracle. It was too late for them to get something to eat. He said, hey, look. Jesus, disciples. Jesus. Can you imagine this? Earlier in chapter 14, John the Baptist, his cousin, passes away, dies, gets killed at the hands of the king. He is done, people. He's also human. You, have you ever been just at parents? If you, if you happen to have a, parent, a child at home or you've been a parent for a while, this is going to soak in. How about this? Anybody ever heard this? Mom? Mom? Mom, 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 mom. And you, all of a sudden, inside of you, this, this, this level raises. And you know that it gets right here. Things happen. We're just going to leave it at that, okay? And you say, mom, 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 mom. And it gets right here, and you say, what? <laughs> Your kid kind of suspects. Hmm. And they look at you like they've never heard that voice before. But they have. It was the last time that they said, mom, 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 mom. And instead of saying, what? You say, you turn around and say, What? What are you doing? Quit. Stop. When, whenever we drive in a vehicle, one of, the, one, of the, one of the best things, this is sarcasm, pretty heavy. One of the best things that happens when Mary and I go to her parents in Missouri, that one of the best things that ever happens is when Lydia and Emma fight over something in the back seat. My arms are long enough. You know what I'm talking about. You do. You're like... What's he talking about? Think about it. We'll get there. But you, you, I will pull this car over, right? I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to wrap both of you in bubble wrap and tape you to the side of the window, right? You've been there. Don't call DCFS. I do not do this. Listen. But you get, you get annoyed. What about if you're a boss or a supervisor and that person that you've taught and 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 taught. Hey, boss, how do you do this? Don't you get annoyed? This does not drive you clinically insane. Well, you just get it. How many times does Jesus in Scripture literally, he, he, is, he is in a place where he literally, on his human side, wants to turn around and he wants to say, what do you want? Doesn't he? John the Baptist has just been killed. He's been beheaded. Jesus doesn't want to deal with people. And it says the crowds. Oh, boy. Right? Can you imagine? Good grief. I wish they would leave me alone. What does he do? Instead, the Bible says he has compassion. That's how he's different from us. Because we want to turn around and go, what? Jesus still turns around and goes, what? (laughs) I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but he's Jesus. And I'm not. Okay. Don't claim that. We're supposed to be like him. Okay? But he's fed 5,000 people. He's tired. He's absolutely tired. 
So Jesus says, I want you guys to go to the other side of the lake. Outside sea, the lake. See, that's why you can call it a lake. It's not, it's not actually a sea. It's just it's a big body of water, kind of like a big lake. He says, I want you to go to the other side. Now, do you know why the, I think the disciples went? They were tired of being around those people too. Huh, fine. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate it. They thought they were getting the easy way out. Jesus had this all wrapped up for a lesson, didn't he? Yeah, man, hey, sweet, fed 5,000 people. Jesus is pretty cool. Tossing those bread and fish, picked up 12 baskets of extra pieces. People, you don't understand what Jesus is doing. His ministry is exploding. His miracles are crazy. Jesus just wanted to be alone. I've seen it on Facebook. I've talked with, with other moms and, and dads and moms, you especially. You ask your husband or your kids, can I just be alone for five minutes? <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I mean, I, we, we got married and without kids, it was a different ballgame. <laughs> I mean, literally, Mary goes, can I just go, you know, be alone for five minutes? You, you understand where he is. These guys are the same way. They're just like, hey. We're going to the other side of the lake. Let's go. Let's go. So in verse 23, look at this. After sending them home, that's Jesus sending the people home that he just fed, by the way. He goes, hey, this Mark's board is over. I mean, they had 12 baskets of leftovers. Okay, take what you want, all right? Um, but, but go home. Let's see, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Don't miss this. He's about to reach his limit with people. And he doesn't go blow up on somebody. He gets alone and he prays. When is the last time that you chose that path? See, this is difficult. <laughs> when is the last time you said, you know, some of you this week are going to go, mom, 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 what? Leave me alone for five minutes. I'm going to pray for you. Right? You don't do that. Okay? You should go get alone. And you should ask God what he wants to teach you. Because that's what Jesus does here. Literally, he probably prays. I can't, man, I can't imagine how intimate this was. And by the way, night fell when Jesus was there alone. This wasn't a five minute, hey, thanks God, appreciate for everything we got, we're done here. He listened to what God said to him. He wanted to hear. It was intense. It was on purpose. And Jesus was alone. Look at verse 24. Meanwhile, Scooby-Doo, you know, meanwhile... The disciples were in trouble far away from land. Time out. When they started, they were not, they were not far away from land, right? They were just going to cut over the north, northeast to the northwest corner. It was a calm day. They weren't far away now. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. If you know anything about Rin Lake or you've ever been caught in a storm on Rin Lake, you understand completely what is going on right here. If you get in the middle of Rin Lake and a pop-up thunderstorm with strong winds happens, you will not ever forget it. There are people here that are going, mm-hmm. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. The only thing that you want when that happens is to be off of the water and away from any tall trees that can conduct lightning. <laughs> you want to get off. The waves can be incredible. Why? There's no windbreak. It's really wide. It's open. It catches a lot of wind. It can make some serious, bad, bad waves. 
So these guys, now, now, if you've been in a pontoon boat or a bass boat or whatever you've been in, now watch this. Take that away. Now put yourself in a first century wooden boat. Can you imagine during the storm what they heard a wooden boat do? You ever heard your house settle? Now put yourself in the middle of a lake. That can't be good, right? You're like, oh boy, this cannot be good. But the waves, they were, they were starting in the northeast and they were going to the northwest corner. They were just going to make a straight line over the, over the north part of the lake. They got blown down into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Mezos is the Greek word. It means in the midst. Now, this is awesome. This is absolutely on purpose. Listen to this. Mezos means in the midst or in the middle. During the storm, Jesus meets them in the midst of their problems. Not an accident. Not an accident. That word means exactly what happened. Whenever you feel that you're being tossed by sea billows roll, whatever my lot, it is well, right? It is well. In the midst of these guys' storms, physically, In the video, and I get it's a video, I think they did a pretty good job with the video. Did you listen to what they said? We should turn back. I guarantee you it's in their mind. Guarantee. They couldn't because of the wind. But the other guy said, no, he told us to go across. I tell you something. If Jesus, God, your relationship with the Heavenly Father, and he has told you to do something, he doesn't mean stop. He doesn't. Connection is going through a very, very awesome, cool time right now. We are growing people. This is what we need. We need people to step up and help serve. More people means we need more volunteers. We do. And I know that you're saying, well, it's about holiday time. I have more people and just need my help. Yes, I do need your help. I do. Why? Do you know what kind of good problem this is? Just a stab in the dark. If you don't have a mess, you don't have a ministry. We're going to do some stuff tomorrow afternoon. We're going to do some things this week. And we need, hey, and I know some of you are going, well, I've never seen Matt do anything. Man, you should have been here earlier. I put on blue gloves and cleaned the bathrooms where you sat down. I'm not saying look at Matt. I'm saying... I would never ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't. Meanwhile, the disciples ask the same. They're like, man, I don't. (sighs) Jesus, we need your help. Can you imagine? Jesus said, go across. If God has told you to go something. And by the way, when there can be a cop out in this, because sometimes people let their pride get in the way and said, God told me to. And it's something that God did not tell them to do. I'm going to say something very sharp. Are you ready? That's wrong. When you put your pride ahead of God and you tell someone what you think God told you, or because it's, it's maybe to self-inflate or something, that is a sin. It is wrong. But when God guides you, God guided me and Mary to connection. Maybe God's guided you to a different job. Great. Fine. Maybe God's guiding you to be more influential in your, in your prayer life. Go there. Go. Don't say, well, it's getting kind of hard. It's cutting into my blacklist watching time on Netflix. 
It's on, you realize that it's on Netflix and you can come back and watch it, right? Let's cut into my baseball time. Listen. What are you hungry for? Feeding earthly desires and passion? Listen, you're watching a game, by the way. And I, I, I love this game. I love baseball. You realize that you're watching grown men play a game. And while they're on the field and they're playing this game, they're playing a game on a field and they're grown men. You realize that. Billy Graham does not come out in the middle of it and start preaching. You realize this is a game. Listen, I'm a huge Cardinals fan. I'm a huge baseball fan. I love that the Astros and the Dodgers are in the World Series. No offense, Cubs fan. That wasn't a shot at you. Wasn't. Dodgers are legit good. Okay, there they just are. I haven't talked to a single person that didn't say any that different. But listen, what are you hungry for? Because the things that we like, man, I don't have time to, to spend with God. <laughs> Be careful when you say that because that's a lie. You can say, well, I don't have time. Well, how many times did you play golf last week? It's not, it's, 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 go get in my stuff. Listen, God wants to get in your stuff because you should get in his life. He said, I've been waiting here. I've been here. And you've been playing golf. You've been fishing. Listen, I hear this stuff. Especially this time of year. Man, you've been bow hunting. You got time for me? And sometimes I, I try to argue. Listen, don't. You don't win. Let's just take my word for it. You can't win. So, but the disciples here says that we're in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. Now you just think about this scenario. It's cold. It's wet. These are not boats like on Deadliest Catch. They do not have the halogen LED lights. This is dark. Now... You know, we, sometimes we think, hey, this is okay. I can see. No way. It's dark, people. They did not, there were no lighthouses in biblical times. Contrary to popular belief, there weren't. They were getting tossed. That is where they were in your life. Now, where are you at? Well, I want to be closer. Are you getting tossed? Look at the next verse. Look at this. By the way... By the way, look at the time stamp on this. It's very important. Jesus fed the 5,000 people food because it was getting late. Then he sends the disciples across in the dark. They possibly could have made it before dark, but look at it. Three in the morning. They were not stuck in this storm for five minutes. They're stuck in this storm for hours getting tossed. If you don't think that they feared death, you're crazy. This is a first century boat. This is not okay. This first century boat is not made to go down like, you know, the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon. You know, let's go rafting. No, no, no. <laughs> they float and they hold fish. That's about all you got. And they have a sail and you're completely at the mercy. Now look at this. Three o'clock in the morning. What's that mean? In the middle of the night. What does that mean? In the middle of your storm. Jesus came toward them. <laughs> Without seeing a snake. He was walking on the water, right? I almost got there. <laughs> I really wish I had it videoed. I would have shown that because I, I, I was over that. Man, I was over the other side so quick. Oh, man. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Okay. <laughs> it was like, well, it's Jesus. Let me just ask you a question. Let's just say you're fishing on a sunny day on Rin Lake. 
and someone comes walking up to your boat on the water. Regardless of the storm, right? I'm sorry. Um, I, um, hmm. <laughs> I fished that hole, and I know that that is deep. There's someone walking on the water. You, you would flip out to. We can't, well, they didn't recognize Jesus. Well, poor them. No. Listen, it is someone physically walking on a substance that is not supposed to. He's defying gravity here. Why? Because he has power over nature. When he gets in the boat in a minute, he calms a storm, and they'd never seen that either. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they're like, Jesus. No, they were not like Jesus. They're like, what is that? This is an age where black, black and dark magic existed. Okay, they thought it was some, something else. They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out. Look at this. It's a ghost. Funny, we're around Halloween. We're talking about the disciples calling Jesus a ghost. Why did they associate him with a ghost? A ghost doesn't weigh anything. It can be on top of the water. They didn't associate this. Okay, they, didn't, they didn't put them together. Look at verse 27. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. That's all he says. (laughs) Can you imagine this? Do you realize the storm that is going on? And they're like this. And every once in a while they see Jesus and they go back under the waves. And they they see Jesus again. They go back. And all of a sudden, all he says is this. Don't be afraid. Anybody anybody afraid of needles? Okay. No, nobody's afraid of needles in this. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. There's a whole bunch of liars. Anyway, I'm just kidding. You go with your kids, or you get a shot. Listen, I still, I, I don't go, you know what? Go ahead and stick that in me. I don't do that. And I'm just kind of like, oh, how's the weather today? I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan. If you see the scar on my forehead, you'll probably realize why. I had 39 stitches in my head. I got three, cracked, three cracks in my skull. Some of you are like, that's what's wrong. Okay, no problem. Um, but I had nine shots from here to here in between my hair and my skull. I'm really not a huge fan of needles at all. Um, I, I give blood. Um, when I can, but I don't, I'm just not a fan. Uh, they, they said, hey, when, when, you, when you close this off, my, my, my vein right here just like pops up. And, and these Red Cross people look like, they're like this. And I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I want to. And I mean, she is way bigger than a mosquito. She's coming at me like this. And she's like grabbing my arm. I'm like, well, you know what, lady? She's like, a, I don't know if she's going to bite me. Okay, I don't, and she, anyway, anyway. It's something that we're facing that's great, big, and, and all it says is, hey, just don't be afraid. You see how simple this is? These words aren't simple. These words are huge. But what he says is, you don't have to be afraid because I'm here. Before, they were terrified. And he says, listen, guys, you have to just chill out. I'm here. What does, it, what, does it, what does a child do? They can fall down, scrape their knee. It can actually be like they think they are in a third degree of death. Okay, and they have just blood running down their knee. And if you're there and you hug them, what happens? Better. You know, with emoji band-aid and everything like that, everything's good. Right? Some of you have emoji band-aids. They're awesome. I wear them sometimes. So don't judge me. You do too. So, so <laughs> no, some of you are going to go, well, I didn't even know they had emoji band-aids. I had to go get some. So he says, listen, I'm here. Anytime my girls fall down or something, they, they come running. I said, listen, I'm, babe, I'm right here. It's one of the first things that I say. Why is that so important? I am the dad to this kid. The spiritual father does the same thing. He says, hey, I'm here. I'm right here. I've never left you. 
never gone away. I'm still here. I'm still here. Why does it say that he spoke? Remember, the, the, the disciples would have understood exactly what Jesus' voice would have sounded like, much like the shepherd and the sheep's voice. They would have understood, hey, everything's good. He's here. Everything's okay. He's here. When we're in these storms and we're full of doubt, and you're literally wondering if I'll ever make it through this. Seriously, you've asked yourself that. I have too. Am I ever going to get over this? Am I ever going to get through this? Look at the next blank on your worship handout. Look at this. Don't ever forget that when you go through difficult times, Jesus doesn't leave us. I know some of you are going, and I've heard that since I'm seven years old. Go through a storm in this life. Come to the realization that Jesus hasn't ever left you, and it's still the same as it was when you were seven. And it's still good. It's great. You don't go through this world alone. You don't. He goes on in verse 28. Look at this. He says, then Peter called to him. I love this. Loud mouth, right? (laughs) Probably the disciples and some other people in this boat with him. Okay. They're getting, they're getting rocked. The first, listen to me. The first thing that comes out of Peter's mouth is not, hey, dude. He's like, hey, let me walk on the water. Right? Some people say, ah, he's a loud mouth, arrogant, prideful. He just jumps out of the boat. No, he doesn't look. He said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you specific walking on the water. Never been done, except previously by just Jesus, just now. Peter goes, his buddies are tying down the sails they're making sure nothing's gonna fly out they got they're in a wooden boat and the only thing that we see peter say ooh, ooh. he's the he's the adventure junkie hey 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 i want to walk on the waves and he gets a bad rap he gets a bad rap do you, do you not see right here that Peter, out of all of them, Peter's the one that spoke up and he said, I, I am the one that wants to be close to you right now? Because Pete, what did Peter know? He knew that if he got close to Jesus, he was going to be completely fine. And some of us are just stuck in the boat, just yelling. Jesus, you come here. No, that's not the deal. It's not the deal. Your faith does not get stronger if Jesus comes to your boat. It doesn't. Jesus says, come on, come on. How, how many parents in the last week, if you have a younger child or a grandkid and they learn to ride a two-wheeler, how many people are, have, you, have you gone around town and, and a kid was 12 years old and the parents still holding onto the seat while the kids ride his bike down the road? It doesn't happen. At one time you went and you let him go. And they may have went into a bush and they may have crashed and they may have done both of those. Okay, But sooner or later they got it. Your faith does not grow stronger if you say, Jesus, come here. Keep, you just keep holding me right here. No. He says, I'm here. Come on. And sometimes he's real close. And sometimes he looks a really long way away. He still says, come to me. I've never left you alone is what he says. Was Peter having any doubt who this is? And he says, Lord, if it's really you. Some people say he doubted. He didn't doubt. He was the only person in the boat that showed total faith at this moment. I want to be close to you is what he said. So in verse verse 29, by the way, he is the first to blurt out this. He's the first one to say this. He's the loudmouth. He's also the only one recorded in this story that gets to experience the miracle of what Jesus did. Regardless if he looks away and sinks or not, he experienced 
something supernatural because he answered yes. He did. So in verse 29, look at this. Yeah, come. Come on. Can you imagine like, the wind just doing crazy stuff and Jesus just hanging out? He's got his Jerusalem cruisers on. He's in the middle of the waves like, come on. Come on out. I can't imagine. Can you literally imagine those people that have been in these storms? You get on the side of your boat, literally, and you put your foot out onto water that you, every other time that you've been in a bathtub, swimming pole, whatever you've swam in or gotten in water, you sink, and you think, no, because Jesus told me to. There's going to be some people trying to walk on their bathtub. Don't do that, all right? Peter, the anxiety that he reached down, you know what? I don't think that he reached down with his foot like this. I think he reached down with his foot like this. And he never took his eyes off Jesus. He was waiting on Jesus to correct him, tell him to do something a little bit different. He kept eye contact. He looked at Christ. So Peter went over the side of the boat. Holy smoke. And here you go. And he walked on the water towards Jesus. I'm telling you right now, top, one of the top five things I would, I would love to go back and DVR and watch from the Bible. This would have been unreal. Storm, and Peter's just like, huh, cool. You know, you know what else I think? I think? I think the storm obviously was still around him. I think it was still maybe even hitting him. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But he was completely unaware of it. Because he was like, whoa, this is cool. And then, and then, and then, and then. Peter acts like we do. Going so good. We're walking straight at Jesus. But look at verse 30. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he recognized where he was. He recognized the storm was still happening. And he was terrified and he began to sink. He looked away. Now watch this. Peter takes such a bad rap. And you look away and you sink. Serves him right. There's people in the boat probably like, idiot. Right? We knew this was going to happen. He looked away from him. Now watch this. Watch. He was terrified and he began to sink. Okay. He takes his eyes off. He notices a storm. Eyes off of I'm being protected and he may have glanced. You're talking five or six foot rolling waves and you're not going to look to the side. Be like, am I really? Am I really walking in this? Now watch. He begins to sink. And watch this. Peter's the first one to talk to Jesus on the water. He's also the, he, he knows exactly where to go when, see, Peter's day just got a lot worse. Not only was he in the storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, he was now without a boat. His only safety out there. He knows exactly where to go for help. Three words. Save me, Lord. Some of you shouting that right now in your life. God, I'm so deep in this. I have no idea where I'm going to go in this. You need to save me. 31, Jesus immediately, oh, this is how fast a response he has. You ever been put on hold? We won't go there. We waited on minutes. Listen, immediately, Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Why? Jesus knew it was coming. He's Jesus. Peter goes down and says, hey, hey, come on. Why do you doubt me? He puts him back in the boat. Look at this. You have so little faith, Jesus says, mm. Talk about sharp. The Son of God tells you personally, you have too little faith. It's also the same guy that the Son of God called Satan. 
He takes some hits. He says, why did you doubt me? Verse 32 says, then they climbed back in the boat and the wind stopped. Are you kidding? Jesus shows his power over nature. And disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God. No joke, right? (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Not too many people we've ever met walk on water. Come on. He goes, oh, can you imagine the people in the boat? Oh, yes, 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 you really are the Son of God. Okay, they get credit for saying that. Peter's the one that got out of the boat and said, you're the Son of God. He left everything comfortable in his life, and he says, I want to follow you. And we, we say, God, I just, I want to follow you. Just don't give me any doubt. That's not the way it works. You're too human to not have any doubt. You're too human. Too human. We can't possibly get over this. But there are people today, right now, that need to understand a couple things. Number one, that God did send Jesus, and Jesus is the Son of God. That he did die for you. And if you have a relationship with him, you realize that one of the top key adjectives that is not, that is not supposed to be portrayed in a follower's walk with Christ is comfort. You know that? I don't. I like to be comfortable. Me too. Me too. When's the last time that you got a six pack abs from sitting in a recliner? When's the last time that you learned how to do to run a five k and you trained and the only thing that you did was sit at a computer desk? You don't put in the work. We can't expect God. He's sitting here. He goes, come on. And we say, no, you bring that six-pack to me. I look good. I have one. It's just covered with a little bit of fluff. Insulation. So, listen. Some of you do, too. It's nice. So, so, and and, and he, he talks about it. He says, he says, in order for me to show up like this in your life, you have got to walk towards me. I'm not going to come there. And we think, well, you're mean. You should come here. No, you're selfish. Oh, I don't like you calling me selfish. Fine, I didn't. God did. He, he tells Peter, he says, good job. You don't have good faith. <laughs> he literally gave Peter a compliment. You really don't have a lot of faith. How in the world is that a compliment? He's the only one that stepped out of the boat. How do we see that it's a compliment? Later in life, we see that's a compliment because that was a consequence of something that Peter did wrong to shape him. How do we know it worked? 3,000 people got saved in one presentation of the gospel message. 3,000. And he was in, I hate Jesusville, by the way. It was in Jerusalem. Listen, you have to understand this. Maybe, maybe somebody needs to read this very, very last part. Look at this. Your worship handout. No matter the storm, have faith in the master. He's the master of the sea. He heard my despairing cry, right? From the water lifted me. Not saved, am I? Picks us out of the stuff. Gets us out of the stuff. Why could Jesus walk on the water? You realize in John 1, 1, he created it, right? <laughs> he knows the properties of it. <laughs> Maybe he had special sandals. I don't know. No, listen, he, he created it. He's God. He's all powerful. He's showing his, his power. 
We will doubt, folks. We will. But if, you, if we continue to trust God and we get closer to Him, and you intently get closer to Him, and you pursue that relationship, I can promise you this. Sometimes your doubts will be less, and sometimes they will be more. But you will know exactly where to look. Because God's never let you down. We have the worship or the touch someone's life gift. Deuce. We have two of them's. $210.66. $105.33 apiece. Uh, George and Finest. Would you guys come here for a second? On here is just a piece of paper that I give them that uh, whenever they give it away, they, they uh, email me the story on how they gave it away. And if you, thank you, sir. And on the uh, inside of your worship handout, you can read. This was one that was given away not too long ago, and you can read it right there. Uh, but we share these stories with people. Um, why do we do it? To meet people where they are, to show them the love of God. We care about them. We care about our, our community. Uh, what, better, what better voice when they could look at a group of people and say, you know what? There's a lot of storms that have gone in that person's life. And look at their faith. You ever seen anybody like that? Do you know how magnetic they are? They've been through so much, yet, man, God, you're just awesome to me. Wow, right? Hey, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this week. Thank you for this morning. We can look at this story, just be amazed at the miracle that you did with, with Peter. God, but too often we're just like him. Actually, we're like the other disciples. We don't ever want to get out of the boat. Help us to step out, God. But when we do, help us to keep our eyes on you. God, when doubt comes, let us understand. Let us understand that you've never left us. And you're not going to. God, we love you and we thank you. Pray for this money that it impacts lives in the, in the people of our community. And God, that they may uh, just rest in assurance of how good you are and how much you love them. We love you, God, and thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.